We welcome you to Woodland Lakes Community Church, and we are glad you are here. told God and others, friends and anybody else that would listen, I'll never marry a preacher. And I quote, I'll never marry a preacher. <laughs> um, I also told God I'd never live in Kansas. <laughs> 22, 23 years later, um, Watch what you'll tell God you will and won't do. So Denise was a pastor's kid, and one of the reasons she didn't want to marry a preacher, she didn't have bad experiences growing up. She had great parents, Orlando and Naomi Jantz, and they started their ministry out in the far west part of the district called Ulysses, and I tease her saying she was born in useless Kansas. <laughs> if you're out from western Kansas, them's fighting words. Um, after they were there for a few years, and there's some great stories of the little house that they lived in, the little apartment that they lived in with her and her older sister, Deanna, uh, Orlando got a call to Sylvia. Now, you know where Sylvia is. It's out there on Highway 50, a little bit west of, of Hutch. And they had a pastorate there in Sylvia for some of Denise's most formative years. That's when she was... Uh, like preschool and then kindergarten and she just had a ball there and they loved it and they built a building and they they built a parsonage and Orlando Naomi had a great ministry there and then they went from there to Colorado and a number of years later that's eventually where we met at Pueblo First Church of the Nazarene her dad was my pastor and it took Denise a while to figure out that I was her future <laughs> took her years to figure out and she had absolutely no intention. And it, it, again, her parents, I, I think, did a great job with their three daughters. They didn't give them a sour, you know, it, it, here's what the deal is when you're a pastor's kid. You're kind of in a glass house, whether you like it or not. When you're a pastor's kid, you're kind of in a glass house. And there's some things put on you as a kid that maybe other kids don't get. And it's not the kid's fault. And so sometimes pastor's kids are known to rebel or resent I don't think Denise ever really resented that. She just like, I don't so want to be a pre preacher's wife. <laughs> and yet, the cool thing is, God takes people <laughs> that may feel like that's not for them and does incredible things. Here's what I want you to know today as we talk about Mary, which I love this story and I love this narrative. And I love the idea of a young person making an impact, huge impact, is, is God can do incredible things with people that don't feel like they fit that role, or, or people don't feel like, I don't know if I can do that, or why would you ask me, and what in the world are you thinking? That's the kind of setting that we're looking at in Luke chapter 1, and what Caitlin read from verses 26 to 38 is our scripture lesson. We're continuing this series on fear not, which looks at the times the angels appeared to people in the Christmas story. And I love, I love these narratives. 
And it just seems like to me that we're in a season of fear as a culture. And so all this is very timely. And as we've looked at the word, as we've listened to the word being read to us, I, I think there's a great lesson here on fear. Uh, I invite you to think about your perspective of God this morning. And many of us would say we want the promise of heaven, right? <laughs> we want God's blessings, but I'm not so sure we want to be surrendered to God and that idea that he has total access to every area of our lives. Right now, that's a touchy thing. We don't want people having access to our information. We don't want people having access to a lot of things in our lives. And I kind of think we do that with God. We're a little hesitant for God to have total access to every area of our lives because who knows what he might ask us if we're completely surrendered to him. He might ask us to go to Bangladesh or to Ulysses, Kansas. Or he might want us to change jobs. <laughs> he might want us to relocate. Not any of you. No, that's not approved. But they might come here. He might want us to do something as scary as going and talking to our neighbor the creepy one that blows all of his leaves into our lawn, befriending him. Who knows what God's going to ask us to do? Uh, think, about, think about this for a moment. There's, there's a sense of fear of what if I give all to him and life doesn't go the way I expect it to go or the way I want it to go. Now, we're not going to pass the mic, but it really would be interesting to have different people say, here's kind of what I expected, and here's what happened. Or here's what I wanted, and here's what happened. Some of us here actually fear that whole idea, if I give everything to God, if I surrender myself to him, if I say, you are in control, you're the CEO, sometimes that's frightening because let's just face it, we like to have our hands on the reins, or our hands on the wheel, or our hands on the remote. We like control. I've heard this, and I don't remember where I got it, so I, I don't know who to give credit to. Fear is the absence of faith, and I would agree with that. But I also read that fear is faith, and the first time I read that, or first time I heard that, I thought, hmm, that doesn't sound right. And then this person continued on, it's just faith in the wrong things. Fear is faith in the wrong things. And it's so easy to start asking, what if, and fear is placing faith in the worst case scenario, and that fear breeds anxiety. We were talking to our daughter-in-law recently, and she's really smart. She's a coach for this thing called the Enneagram. And, and her temperament is one that always looks at the worst. She's not a pessimist, but she's always trying to think of the worst case scenario. How can we make something good out of that? And so there's this idea that you get anxious when you think of what could happen. And what happens if I choose to follow him? Or what happens if I choose to surrender my life to God? Or what happens if I give him a blank check? What happens? We're afraid to let go. 
The reality is that I can and you can be overwhelmed by fear, and it is so strong that it can almost paralyze it. But I want to remind you what the Apostle Paul wrote, and this was such a great thing. This is to a younger person who was kind of starting off in ministry, a person that Paul had mentored and encouraged and and poured his life into, and he was getting in and working him in these different churches. This is what he writes in this letter. The second, it's Second Timothy one seven it says, "For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind." God has not given us a spirit of fear. And here's something to think of: If God has not given us a spirit of fear, then where is it from? Now think about Mary. Think about this story, and it impresses me so much. A young person. A young person. I love her example. I want to identify with Mary. <laughs> In some ways, I can't because I'm too much of a control freak. I want to identify with Mary. And I wonder, I guess I identify with this, I wonder if there's any fear in what God is asking me or you to do. And I think most of us would say yes. And I ask the question, why are we afraid of God's plan? So I want to unpack about three things about that. Why are we afraid of God's plans? Why are we afraid of God's plans? We read the first three verses of this story. Then in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. I don't know if she was as scared as the video. I don't know, but I know she was scared. But I find this a fascinating way to open a conversation. Greetings! And if it's an archangel, Gabriel, and Gabriel shows up and there's lots of light, I don't know about you, but greetings sounds a little odd. Greetings. We read in the first three verses, that, and you keep on reading past those first three, Mary was confused and disturbed and troubled, and she was thoroughly shaken. No kidding. That's what people do when they see an angel, right? Especially an archangel that's bright and everything's kind of happening. And they come in and say, greetings, you who are highly favored. Hmm. Here's what I notice about why we're afraid of God's plans. Here's the first one is God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. You could say amen there because I know that's true. Um. You notice that, that sometimes you're like, really, now? I mean, ah. Verse 29 is interesting. Mary was greatly troubled in his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. God's interruptions are often inconvenient. Mary is planning a wedding, and she's kind of planning out the rest of her life. And if it was today, what would a bride-to-be be doing? Now, I think about a couple years ago, a little over two years ago, our youngest son, Trevor, and his wife, Taylor, they were working on their wedding plans. They got married in August, two and a half years ago. What was Taylor doing? She was checking out Pinterest, checking out ideas for creative wedding plans and table favors and decor. 
And she was practicing writing her new last name, Franklin, because she said the F was giving her trouble. Her maiden name was Logan. She had the L down, but Franklin, a lot more letters, and the F, if you write in cursive or you have any kind of handwriting like that, you know, Fs are kind of a weird one. That's what Taylor was doing. It was so fun to listen to her talk about the plans, and as she would share things with Denise, and they would talk about that kind of stuff, you could just hear the excitement building. Well, Mary's planning a wedding, and even though things would have been much simpler in this culture, Gabriel interrupts all of her plans. And let's just be honest and blunt, it was incredibly inconvenient. I like what Craig Rochelle said. He said, what we call interruptions, God calls invitations. Isn't that good? What we call interruptions, God calls invitations. And God interrupts people all through the Bible. Moses was just chilling out in the wilderness, <laughs> pretty much figured he was retired into being a shepherd the rest of his life, and there's this burning bush that happens. And Moses, who had been educated in the very best education and technology that day, figures out there is something not right with this bush. And God gets his attention and totally changes the future of the children of Israel. Interruption. Peter has a lucrative fishing business. Things are going good. This guy named Jesus comes along and interrupts and invites him to walk away from all of that, and to follow him. <laughs> and Peter does it. And he becomes a fisher of men and women. The Apostle Paul, his name was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He was really, 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 really powerful and tough and moving up the ranks. And God knocked him off his high horse on the road to Tarsus and totally changed his life. And he becomes the one who helps to bring good news to the Gentiles. You see, God interrupts, but his interruptions are usually invitations. You know, God may want to take you somewhere new. And I know, it doesn't mean, some of you are retired, doesn't mean you're like, Where's he going to take me? Um, a cool story. Uh, the McMullians. He was the band teacher at Olivet Nazarene University. Uh, his wife was very frightened about all kinds of stuff. They were an awesome couple. And, and I'll never forget when they came and talked to me about maybe going on a mission trip. And she is the type that is afraid of everything. And I told her a verse that really meant a lot to me. <laughs> Someday I'll tell you about it. It's on Engineer Pass in western Colorado in a Jeep. Psalm 56.3 became really, really meaningful. It's when I am afraid, I will trust in you. When I am afraid, I will trust in you. Another translation, I will put my trust in you. And I told, I told Cindy this, this verse. I said, just, just hang on to this verse. And I'll never forget, she was mortified of all the things that could happen on this mission trip. I couldn't believe she was going, honestly. And if I were the team leader, I'd be a little bit nervous because she was really fearful. 
And her and her husband, Neil, went. And let me tell you what's so cool <laughs> is after a few years, God kept working on them. And they're probably a few years older than we are. They left the security of Olivet Nazarene University and her good job and became missionaries in Panama. They had to learn a whole new language. They didn't speak Spanish. Oh, and they got there right before the pandemic hit. So they were stuck in an apartment with stricter lockdown rules than we had. And I look at their stuff on Facebook and I think, that had to be inconvenient. And yet God's doing incredible work through the McMullians. You see, God interrupts, but he also invites. God may ask you to go somewhere new or somewhere different. He may ask you to do something you never imagined or considered. See, God invites us to be participants in his work. God invites us to be participants. God invites you and God invites me to be a participant in his expressions of grace and he invites us to be part of his plan and he wants us in on this and I just find that amazing that he would entrust us to be a part of this with him. I love what the angel said in verse 30. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Uh, quick rabbit trail before I get to a takeaway. Quick rabbit trail here. God knows what's going on. She may not have thought she was doing anything for the kingdom. She may not have been thinking she was making any kind of difference. But God knows what's going on. She found favor with God because she loved him. Here's a takeaway. Don't be afraid of what God asks you to do, even if it's inconvenient. Why do we fear God's plan? Here's the second thing. God's purpose is often different than our plans. <laughs> I like this saying, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plans. Just ask Denise. I told you when I first came here, you said this jokingly, I grew up in Colorado, so I wanted to be where there are mountains or ocean, and when we came out of college, I sent out resumes to DSs everywhere west of Colorado. I was thinking Colorado or Oregon or, Cal well, not California, Washington. I was thinking somewhere that had mountains or ocean. I get a call from a pastor in a town called Sublette, Kansas. And I got to just tell you, I had a sick feeling in my stomach. I thought, oh, no, God, please, no, no, no. And he's talking to me. His name is Charles Peters. He's talking to me. And I, I kind of know maps. I love looking at maps. I like to figure out where I'm at on things, and I like to look at maps. And while he's talking to me, I took one of those big insurance, Rand McNally atlases, and I'm turning to Kansas. And he goes, yeah, this is Charles Peters. I'm from Sublette, Kansas. I thought, I have... My grandmother was in, was in Kansas in Dodge City, and Denise's grandparents were from Mineola, Kansas, and I, I knew a little bit about Southwest Kansas. I'd never heard of Sublette, Kansas. And I find it on a map, and it is 35 miles to the closest Big Mac. <laughs> Kevin's laughing at me. He says, that's a close drive. I thought, I... And on spring break of our senior year, we went to interview and we drove from my grandmother's senior citizen south in Dodge City to Sublette, Kansas, 50 miles, and I saw the elevators 
They didn't even have a stoplight. It's a blinking light. There's not a stoplight in town. And I thought, God, you have got to be kidding. He wasn't. That was our first ministry. And we loved it. (laughs) We wondered if we'd ever be heard from again. I remember when I told God I'd go anywhere but Kansas, I thought, you've got a sense of humor. Hmm. God's purpose is often different than our plans. Verses 31 through 38, this is what the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He'll be great, will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. The angel Gabriel appears to this girl who most likely has much of her life planned or arranged for her. And he says, fear not, you have found favor with God. And if if you think about what, what does that mean, that's exactly what's going through Mary's mind. Here's the thing is it's, it may not be anything like you might think it is. Now, the Greek word for angel in this context literally means messenger. And the angel has this really important and good message for Mary. And he reveals God's purpose to her. And here's what I love about this. Here's what I I just, God, help me to be like this. I love the obedient humility of Mary. Okay, another rabbit trail for this church to be what it's supposed to be. And I love you. You know that already. I hope you know that. And I think you believe this. We have got to reach some young people. And we've got to reach some children. Let me tell you why. Not not just so we are more, um, uh, just, you know, we have a multiple age group in the church and we have balance and all that. We need young people and we need children because sometimes God gets a hold of young people a lot easier than he does to us because we get a little stiff and myopic and set in our ways. Nobody said amen there. I'm with you. I understand. I don't know if I would have either. Here's what I love about Mary. Her obedient humility. And I love the contrast to who we talked about last week. Zechariah was an older guy. An old guy. Remember? Zechariah. And he was righteous. He was living a holy life. His wife was living a holy life. But I love the contrast with Mary and Zechariah. She too questions Gabriel. Now, Zechariah questioned Gabriel. But this seems to be a request for information, not proof. And I love that about her. Zechariah wants proof, but Mary wants information like, huh? can this be? In fact, that's what she says in verse 34. How will this be, Mary asks the angel. God's very purpose is, is very different than her plans. Her plans will, our plans will often be different than what he has in mind for us. And I think of what it says in Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, and I love this passage. And this has become very special to Denise and I over the years. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Hmm. See, God has a totally different perspective. 
Now, one day I hope to get on an airplane again and fly somewhere. It's been a while. I love flying over the Midwest. I love flying over mountains too. Those are pretty. But I love flying over the Midwest because your perspective changes when you see all of the irrigation sprinklers. So you see the circles. It looks like a quilt. And you see soybeans planted over here, and you see wheat planted over here, and you see milo planted over here, and you see how they have these different colors. And as you're flying over them, you have a whole different perspective of what you see when you're driving on 96. When you're up high. See, God has a perspective. God has a perspective that is so much better and bigger than ours. God has a completely different perspective. Maybe you dreamed of a perfect, healthy family. Or maybe you've never married. Or maybe you had a child with special needs. Or maybe you had all kinds of other plans and in the middle of that, God enlarged your capacity for love. God has enlarged your heart with more than you ever, ever dreamed or imagined. I have some friends that are very special to us. (laughs) Um, They adopted kids and one of the children had One of the children was very autistic, severely autistic. And it wasn't anything like they had envisioned. It wasn't anything like they had planned. But God blessed them in the middle of all that, enlarged their heart. We watched with our own eyes. Maybe you lost your job. His purposes may be different than what your best developed plans would be. Sometimes we just have to trust him that he has something for us. So here's the takeaway. Don't be afraid of what God is asking you to do, even if it is different than what you had planned. Don't be afraid of what God is asking you to do, even if it's different than what you had planned. Take heart. God is inviting you to participate in his work and in his message of grace in his way. Here's the third thing. While we're afraid of uh, God's plans, God's ways often do not make sense. (laughs) Gabriel's startling and surprising announcement to Mary is surrounded by the impossible to quote one of my favorite movies, The Princess Bride. It's inconceivable. Or inconceivable. I love, I love when Mary asks, how can this be? That's information. That's not proof. It's information, trying to understand. They say one of the best ways of communicating with another person is to seek to understand them. Help me understand this. She said, how can this be since I'm a virgin? And virgins don't give birth to babies. And I'm in honors biology at Nazareth High School. And it's completely impossible. My teacher, Mr. Wisner, said, this can't happen. I wonder if there are some Christ followers who are willing to accept an invitation into something totally different in their lives. Something that flips the script. Something that is completely different than what you had planned and what God is asking you to do is to ask faith, to have faith and to believe in him, no matter how it doesn't make sense. And some may look at this and say, this, may not be, this can't be possible, something as simple as forgiving someone who has wronged us. 
that it's impossible to forgive because they hurt us so deeply. Or, or giving when you just don't know how in the world you can do that. Or maybe it's in your marriage, you're not sure how in the world it's going to make it. Or maybe God is asking you to disciple another person. Just know that it looked impossible to marry too. Remember the amazing words of the angel Gabriel, for nothing will be impossible with God. Do we live like we believe that? Maybe sometimes. Nothing will be impossible with God. Here's a big idea. Don't be afraid of what God is asking you to do. Don't be afraid of what God is asking you to do. So what is God asking you to do? That's one of my challenges for this week. Here's your homework. I haven't given you much lately. Here's your homework. Ask that question. God, what do you want me to do? I believe if you are a Christ follower, if you're filled with his spirit, if you're pursuing the things of God and God is involved in your life, that he wants to direct you and shape you and lead you and guide you, what is he asking you to do? Now maybe he wants you to mentor or influence children or youth. Maybe God is asking you to sponsor an angel tree child. Thank you for those of you that have. Maybe he wants you to mend or restore a relationship with your dad or mom or your son or your daughter. Uh, maybe God wants you to do something simple like make some banana bread and take it to a neighbor. Maybe it's just helping your neighbor do something around their house. Maybe God is directing you to restore a relationship that has gone bad. Maybe God is pointing you toward reconciliation or restoration. Maybe God is asking you to find a place of service. What is God asking you to do? Love this quote. That outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. <laughs> we get that mixed up, don't we? Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. That's my part. I love what Mary does. She, she gives consent. She said this, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me according to your word. And there's this beautiful tension between how can this be and let it be. Isn't that cool? Isn't that, do you notice that tension? She's asking a question not long before this part and says, how can this be? And not long after that, she says, let it be. It's like she's saying, have your way. My question to you is today, can you say, here I am, I'm a servant of the Lord. So church, I'm saying to you, don't be afraid what God is asking you to do. That if you've never come to a point of choosing to follow him, maybe today you would like to do that. And I invite you to do that right now. If you don't know him, this would be an optimum time to say, I, I think I want to follow Jesus right now. I'm going to pray in a moment. You can, you can just pray with me. If you are a Christ follower, if you're following him, maybe he's asking you to do something challenging that's going to stretch your faith. I say leave the outcome up to God and obedience is on you and on me. So step out in faith. What is God asking you to do today? 
Choose to align your plans to God's plans. And if you do that, here's what I believe is you will be blessed. I challenge you to say, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for a great story. For a young person that was sold out to you, surrendered to you, willing to do whatever you asked. God, I pray you would help us to be that way. And Father, I confess that sometimes we're afraid of your plans because we don't understand and we don't know what's going to happen. I ask, Father, that you would help us to trust you, to lean in, to do what you ask. Father, as we are in this place and in this great setting, if there's someone that doesn't know you right where they are, Father, would you help them to have the courage to say yes to you? And Father, may they, right where they're seated, confess their sins to you. And your word says that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just. You'll forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from any and all unrighteousness. That, that person would choose to repent, which, which basically means I'm going to change the way I think about you, God. I'm going to change the way I think about myself. I'm going to change the way I think about life. And I'm going to turn and go another direction. I'm going to follow you. I'm not going to do my own thing. And then it comes to a point of receiving that grace that you offer where they acknowledge that you have given them the gift of life through Jesus. You can do that today, right now. And if you choose to receive Christ, if you choose to follow him, then the, the first thing you need to do as it comes to this point is say thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, there's others that have followed you in this, they're in this room that have followed you for decades. And they love you. Doing their best to live a holy life. God, would you help us to be open to your plans? No matter how old we are, no matter how young we are, no matter what our life situation is, would you help us, oh God, to just, just be open to you? Say, here I am, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you say. God, help us say, let it be. And then mean it. <coughs> oh, Father, I give you praise. And I thank you we get to close this service with a time of, of communion, of sacrament. May it be significant to us today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I can't think of a better way to respond to this scripture than by entering into a time of communion. And with Christmas season being here, we need to prepare our hearts for Christ's coming, his second coming, as our Advent family reminded us today at the beginning of this service. Let's not rush into this today, but take a few moments of spiritual preparation Let's come to this time of Holy Communion ready to receive from God the grace that is needed for life circumstances. Like God's plans, His interruptions, or when things don't make sense, when the plan that we're pretty sure that He has for us doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to us. 
we come to this realization, acceptance of God's will and his plan are good even if we don't understand them. And this moment can help you not to be afraid of what God is asking you to do. In other words, this can help you fear not. So I want to invite you to take the elements, if you will, and peel back the layers so you can get to the bread. And while you're doing this, I want you to hear this prayer that John Wesley prayed. Almighty God, unto whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love Thee and worthily magnify Thy holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Once again, we welcome you to Woodland Lights Community Church. And we are glad you are here.